0: this pandemic Um, so now what we're going to do is uh, we're going to have a child dedication which is always an exciting time and so Taylor and Logan are going to bring up Olivia and we're going to do this social distance style and essentially how child dedication works is it's an opportunity for parents to make a commitment before God and before the church that's all of you um, to raise their son or daughter in a way that is God honoring and uh, helps their son or daughter to come to a place in time in the future where uh, they make their own personal decision to follow Jesus and put their faith and trust in Him. And so, what we do um, during this time is I read some statements, and then Taylor and Logan are going to respond with the statement, We will. And then you're going to respond. If you so choose, and we will help you. It's a little responsive reading, which some of you grew up doing uh, in church. We don't do it all too often because I don't like to put people in a position of saying and making a commitment that they're not really intending to keep. So if you don't feel comfortable saying, hey, Taylor and Logan, we are definitely going to be there for you if you need something, then that's okay. You don't have to say anything. But if you're willing to be there for them and for Olivia in the future to help them in this journey, I would really encourage you to join in with, uh, and we will help you. Okay. And if you're watching online, you can do this from home as well. Okay. So we're going to practice real quick. So you got the words. Usually we have them on the screen. So I trust that you're going to get them right, but you know, you never know. So, um, and so your statement is, and we will help you. Okay. And so they're going to say, we will. And you say, yeah, that's perfect. Some of you yelled, which is great. It helps me hear better. Okay. Awesome. All right. So Taylor and Logan and beautiful Olivia, by presenting Olivia for dedication, you signify your faith in Christ. Will you, as parents and models for your children, continue to grow in your faith and walk with Christ? We will. Nice. Knowing that one of the best gifts you can give, Olivia, is a joyful, Christ centered marriage, do you commit to pursue a relationship with your spouse that prioritizes each other, seeks guidance when in doubt, and is marked by love for each other. With God's help, will you commit to raising Olivia in a way that honors God in all things and is a reflection of his love? Will you commit to praying for Olivia, instructing her, and most of all, building a relationship with her that is a reflection of God's relationship with us, his children? And finally, will you commit to creating an environment in her life where she may one day make her own decision to put her faith in Jesus? Awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we humbly pray that you will take this family and Olivia into your loving care. Would you guide Logan and Taylor as they live out these commitments to you, to each other, to their child, and to this church we pray a special blessing on olivia that you would guide her safely through the joys and challenges of youth and that they may know uh, and experience your love through your son jesus christ amen amen congratulations Uh, Like I just mentioned, the church is not a building, it's not a place, it is a community of people. We've said that before the pandemic, and we will say it well after the pandemic. And our hope as a church is to be a place where you can come and explore faith, and find that community find that relationship and so for the next three minutes what we're going to do for those of you watching online and all of you in person is to take a moment to socially distance get to know the church that you're a part of this morning which i realize is some of yours absolute favorite moment in every sunday service uh, but it, you also i think recognize how important it is so for the next three minutes what i want you to do whether you're online or in person is to find someone around you wave, introduce yourself, um, you know, try to stay six feet apart or so, um, and, uh, and ask them the question, or ask them to share, rather, a time in their lives, uh, or excuse me, in their youth that they went on a trip that was really memorable. So essentially sharing a really memorable trip from the, your, your younger days, if you will. If you can remember back that far, or just make something up, either or, but get to know the people around you, all right? So for the next three minutes, do that, and then we'll bring you right back here for the message, okay? Ready? Set, go meet the church. Start making our way back. All right, so (coughs) as you wrap up your conversations uh, today, um, hopefully you are aware of this, uh, but we are kicking off a new series today that's going to last three weeks one, two, three, and I tell you that because. I don't want you to stress too much about uh, this series, uh, but it is a series called The Great Debate, and the topic is politics and the church and faith. And so I thought, hey, why not in October of a presidential election year, uh, let's talk about politics. Don't you think that's a good idea? Thank you, two of you. Um, If this goes as intended, if, big if, if this goes as intended, hope is that all of us will leave here, regardless of political affiliation or who we're voting for or what our take is on all things politics um, today, uh, in in our world today. Uh, Regardless, my hope is if this goes well, all of us are going to leave a little bit uncomfortable, um, a little bit convicted, and all still friends. Thank you. Yeah, which is pretty rare when it comes to the conversation of politics Um, and I also hope though that we can all agree and if we can't necessarily agree we're at least aware that a lot of people are experiencing a lot of tension a lot of frustration a lot of anxiety and anger and fear and a whole bunch of other emotions about politics these days about the upcoming election for that matter and what things are going to look like even a month from now and if you don't for whatever reason feel that tension i know you know people that are feeling that tension and i think it's understandable uh for a lot of reasons but i think the biggest reason that the uh, current frustration level is at is is what it is is that most of us actually kind of like the country that we live in most of us kind of like the system of government or the system and the government that we call home, that some of us love, that that some of us have even sacrificed to make possible and defend. Just like our personal homes, we generally like the place we call home to feel safe, to run well, to be protected. And so at any point where we feel like those things are threatened, like our country is, or our home is, we, and, and, or we feel like where we're going is not a good direction, or we feel like uh, who's in charge is not uh, a responsible or, or uh, individual that, that is keeping our home running well, we tend to go on edge. And we tend to maybe be a bit louder than we normally are. And hopefully, thankfully, some of us are engaged in voting and doing something about it. Now, all that being said and, and understood, I think there is, in the midst of all things, one problem in particular. One problem in particular that is driving most of, not all of, but most of, the unrest we feel today. That's driving most of the unhealthy discourse that we're finding in politics today. That's driving most of the contention on your social media feeds that we're experiencing today. That's even driving you to do some and say some unhealthy and fairly unproductive things on occasion and to act in ways that are maybe a little unhealthy as it revolves around the topic of politics. And it's overall left left us with this additional tension in our communities, in our home, in our country, if you will. And not to freak you out or not to be an alarmist by any uh, uh, stretch of the imagination, i I like to think I'm just being maybe realistic, but this one particular thing that's going on um, will lead to some very bad outcomes. And I don't just say that to make things up. I just say that as somewhat of a student of history over the last couple thousand years, 2,000-ish years, this behavior tends to lead things downhill fairly quickly. And this one problem, though it is simple... Is relentless but there is a solution and there's actually a part that you can play in being a part of this solution so now that i built this up the one problem that i think we as a country and as a group of people hold too closely to is the i have to win at all costs mindset the i have to win period. There's no gray area. There's no other options. It's just that I have to win. Let me explain this. Political figures, and now I would just say regular people in general on the topic of politics, take the approach that I have to win and my way is the right way or there is only the highway approach to things because we just have it in ourselves that we have to win in all things. I have to get my way. I have to be right. Politics has become, where politics has become an environment where you have to win, even if it hurts other people. It's become an environment where winning is more important. That people will compromise their values, people will uh, uh, give in to special interest groups, um, and even though those special interest groups may contradict the desires and the hopes for the voters that elected the people who are making those decisions. Politics is an environment now where you have to win battles even if it undermines and hurts the political system that you committed to protecting. Politics is such a winning environment now that people will use and leverage the power and the voice they have to ensure that they end up on top at the end of the day. It's why I think we've trended so much into the the world of misinformation. Misinformation. I mean, if you think about it, whether you're in the room or online, if you have shared or posted something or said something, even if you're not sure that it's true, it's not really the point, is it? Because the message you are sending is that this is the way, this is the right way, and this is how winners will look at it, even if truth has to take a back seat. It's why some politicians will support policies that are contradicting to each other because it's not about reason it's just about being right it's just about winning and it's why people will contradict themselves and contradict their own past statements because in the world of winning versus honesty and integrity they pick winning over the rest it's why i think in today's political discourse there is a lack of listening a lack of patience civility and compromise because when two people get in a room who are take on the mindset of i have to win every single time they will never be able to resolve their differences there won't be any talking there won't be any resolution it's when winning takes front seat and everything else takes back seat that's the kind of environment, politically, that I think we find ourselves in today. And unfortunately, and this is really heartbreaking to me, as at least how I look at it, and you can disagree with it, that's okay, but I see where the church can and has, in some cases, fallen victim to that winning mentality as well. Where the church and Christians alike have become more focused on winning and leveraging their power and their people, which is the church, For a political party or for a political agenda so that they can win. So that they can get their way. So they can leverage the systems of this world to end on top, at least as they see it. And in so doing, and this is where it breaks my heart, and in so doing, they take the values that make up following Jesus, like truth and grace and generosity and hope and love and Jesus himself, in the back seat so that they can win or and this is really confusing to me like super confusing to me the church and or christians will play the victim card the victim card like my rights as a christian are being encroached upon are being offended are being removed to try to win a sympathy vote and listen i'm all for rights i support the bill of rights i think that's a great document But Jesus, when Jesus, the head of the church, the Christ in Christian, said, Christians, you will be persecuted. Christians, your message will not be understood. You will not be understood. But in the midst of that, I don't want you to fear. He said that over and over and over again. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not worry. Do not whine. Maybe he didn't say that. I added that. But do not worry instead love you should be so busy loving your neighbor that you don't have time to worry you should be so busy loving god your heavenly father that you don't have time to worry if the if the rest of our neighborhoods if our communities if if our country is headed in the I have to win it every single time mentality personally I understand that I understand it it's a cultural norm for Americans to take that winning mentality I think it has to do with our our capitalistic economy you know it we tend to glorify and it tend you tend to make more money when you go at things with the I have to win it mentality so I get that but I'm just saying for the church, and for those of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, the in it to win it, no matter what, is not what we're called to. The in it to win it, no matter what, is not what we're called to. We're called to be a bit countercultural, not for the sake of being countercultural, but for the sake of love. And I realize some of you aren't going to exactly like where the next few verses is going to land, but I think it's really important to at least hear it, and also to come to terms with, you can't exactly argue with the results. The results of Jesus. And I'll break those down here in just a second. Because the other mindset, the alternative mindset that we're going to read about here in just a second, is the heart of Christianity. That in the midst of even a messy and, uh, you know, kind of in some cases dirty and angry political discourse this mindset can give you direction this mindset can give you clarity this mindset can give you peace and this mindset comes from the words of the apostle paul who was a a jewish guy turned christian uh met uh, the resurrected jesus started a whole bunch of churches wrote the half of the new testament just pretty all-around, got-it-together kind of a guy. And he writes to a church in uh, Philippi, and we know it as the, uh, the uh, letter to the Philippians. Uh, specifically, we're going to be in chapter 2. If you brought your Bibles, so you want to follow along at home. And he addresses the mindset that we should have. And here's what he says, starting in verse 5. He said, In your relationships with one another. In other words, If you're a political figure, in your relationships with your constituents. If you are a friend, in your relationships with your friends. If you are a family, in your relationships with your family and your friends. In your relationships, in all aspects of your relationships, online or in person or anywhere in between, in those relationships, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Not the in it to win it mindset. The mindset of Christ Jesus. And then he breaks down the mindset of Jesus. Who, in being very nature God. In other words, Jesus who is God. Paul's saying, listen, church in Philippi and church today. I saw Jesus. I saw him. And then I saw the people who also saw him. And who followed him. Who were his disciples. I knew most of them. I saw what he did. I heard what he taught. And I saw that he rose from the dead. I saw the immense power that he had. I believe he was God. In being very nature God, Jesus did not consider equality with God, this is so huge, something to be used to his own advantage just like the world today and just like the world in jesus's day it was all about power grabs it was the roman empire the strong succeed the weak fall and really the whole world should fall to the might of rome and paul is exactly addressing that and saying jesus who was god who had the power of god creator of the universe and all things did not use that power to his advantage Does that sound like someone who's in it to win it? No. Does that sound like a politician near you? No. All about using power. You know what it sounds like, at least to me? It sounds like someone worthy of your trust. Someone who has the power of God and says, I'm not going to use it to my own advantage. Instead, rather, he made himself nothing... By taking the very nature of a servant. A servant to who? A servant being made in human likeness. And a servant to mankind. And a servant to you and a servant to me. See, Jesus refused to attach his name and his power to the power-hungry people of the day. He refused to attach his name to the what's-in-it-for-me party. He attached his name in the for you and I party. So for those in Jesus' day who insisted on winning, who feared losing, they had a real hard time with Jesus. Eventually to the point where they nailed him to a cross. Jesus didn't come to put himself above humankind he came to put himself in mankind's likeness to put himself on the same level even though he wasn't very nature god is that what a in it to win it kind of person would do no the church is always more excuse me, the church is always more Christ-like when it's concerned, and Christians are always more Christ-like when their concern for serving others exceeds their desire to serve their own interests. The church is more Christ-like when it's pushing the agenda that benefits all of God's children, not just what benefits them and their own interests. Christians are always more Christ-like when they're concerned more with giving away than gaining more. How do we know that? Because in being found in appearance as a man, he continues, Jesus humbled himself to become obedient to death, even the cross, if it meant that others could win. How humble is that? How humble is Not to be about his personal gain. To be about others. That's the Jesus mindset. And the cross is so critical to this idea. Jesus' crucifixion on the cross is so critical to this idea. Because Jesus told his disciples, I think this is so understandable and also so funny at the same time. Is Jesus told his disciples over and over and over again, listen, this is how it's going to go, guys. I'm going to go, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die and be buried, and I'm going to rise again. And they heard it, how many times? And it was just in in one ear and out the other. Why? Because that's what losers do. Losers die. Losers get nailed to a Roman cross. That's not what winners do. And they couldn't process that what Jesus was trying to teach them is you will begin to win as you are meant to win by first losing. And that is so countercultural. I get it because I like to win too just like as much as the next person does. And that is so countercultural to our American ideals in so many ways. But Jesus is saying if you want to start winning, start first by losing. They were literally on their way to Jerusalem for Jesus to be crucified. And in the disciples' minds, they thought that Jesus was going to win. They thought Jesus was going to overturn the Jewish authorities and overturn Rome, and Jesus was going to be king. That's what they thought. That's why they thought they were going to Jerusalem, because they didn't listen to Jesus and what he was saying. And on their way there, They start arguing amongst themselves. You can go into your Bible and read it later today. They start arguing which one of them is going to sit at the right hand of Jesus when he takes his throne. Does that sound like a winner mindset? Yeah. It didn't matter what Jesus was going to do. They just wanted to know what they were going to gain in this victory. And who was going to be the greatest. You want to know what Jesus did? Some of you know how the story goes. Jesus rebuked them. He said, you're wrong. Then he even compared them and said, this child is better than them, depending on what version of the story you read. It's really an incredible moment. Another time, they were the, Jesus and the disciples were out and about, and, and they were looking for a place to stay, and so Jesus sent a couple of guys ahead to figure out a place to stay, and they came back and they said, Jesus, these people, they don't want us there. They don't want us to stop and stay at their, uh, in, their, in their village this evening. And so the other disciples said, Hey, should we call fire down from heaven to destroy them, Jesus? Should we just annihilate them, Jesus? Is that not a winning approach? And what did Jesus say? Again, Jesus rebuked them. In fact, he rebuked them using the same words that he used to rebuke demons. Jesus was like, you guys don't get it. You don't get it. And I get it. It's hard to wrap our hearts and our minds around this idea. But Jesus said, I am not in it to win it in the same way as the world is. My win is different. Jesus played to lose, to lose his life so that others could win. Jesus washed the feet of those very same disciples that you know, gave him such a hard time for so many years. Jesus watched the feet of the man who betrayed him, or who would betray him just a few hours later and end his life. And Jesus said, what's more important in the midst of even that is to make sure people know that they are loved. In fact, that's what he said to his disciples. The way people will know that you are my disciples, that you are my followers in that moment, is how you love one another. And love one another how I have loved you. That's the win. And in politics right now, we are not willing to lose so that others can win. People rarely love like Christ. But I promise you, I promise you, you personally, as well as our country, we will continue to struggle to find peace. We will continue to live in fear even a month from now. I promise you, you will continue to lash out or be tempted to lash out at your neighbors for their political beliefs or statements because they will continue to threaten your political beliefs and your desire to win. You will continue to struggle to find that peace until you understand Jesus' concepts. Understand that faith... And hope and love and trusting in Christ and following Him means ultimately that you will win. Because Jesus won. Remember how I said you can't argue with the results? You can argue that Jesus was maybe not the Son of God. You can argue with that. But you can't argue with His results. His church, His love your enemy, turn the other cheek, love God and love your neighbor, church, lasted longer, outgrew, and even overcame the Roman Empire for which crucified Jesus himself. In fact, I just did some uh, little Googling around on Wikipedia, the Christian idea, especially if you want to include the the Old Testament, you want to include the 3,000 years preceding Jesus... So 5,000-ish, give or take, plus years. It has outlasted every single empire since. The uh, Roman Empire, uh, the Byzantine Empire, the British Empire, and a bunch of obscure empires that you and I have never heard of. Some empires lasted well over 1,000 plus years, but Christianity still prevailed. Christianity endured an empire in the Roman Empire who dressed Christians up. The emperor himself would dress Nero, would dress Christians up, put animal skins on them, and force them to go run through the gardens and then hunt them and put them up on spikes when they got the hunt. Christians endured and overcame that. You want to talk about persecution, you want to talk about your rights being compromised, be careful. Because there were Christians then, and I tell you, Christians now, there are countries where you as a membership agreement to the Christian church acknowledge in that agreement that you, will very, you may very well lose your life because of your faith. Today, there are countries where that exists and happens. But yet the church perseveres. Because their faith and their cues, those Christians' faith and cues, did not come from the world around them. They came from their Father in heaven. That God, through Christ, won, not by crushing the enemy, not by crushing the other party or the other people, but by loving them, washing their feet, forgiving them, and serving them. When we act like that body of Christ, we represent God's church. And come on, you don't need me to tell you that your own homes run better when that's how you treat your family members. Isn't it true that your family goes to uh, exist better together when you choose to forgive one another, love one another, serve one another? I mean, heavens, parents. Is not parenting an exercise in sacrifice? Yes. Yes. Parenting works better when you're willing to put yourself on the line so that your children can learn, grow, and become better. It's the same principle here. It's that kind of love. Things function best when grace and truth and love and forgiveness and generosity are first, foremost, and center. And I think the country that we all call home could benefit more from a bunch of people who decide to follow Jesus like that. There are things worth worth having great debates over. I'm not sure that this is necessarily one of them. If you would, bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that this message would land in the right place in the minds and the hearts of those watching in person and online and and will hear this message in the coming weeks. Because this is difficult to understand sometimes. It is difficult how choosing to serve others means victory for ourselves and others. Honestly, Lord, if it wasn't for the model of Christ and the history of the church that has since followed, I would struggle to believe it. But time and time again, the church has grown and expanded under immense persecution, under failing governments, under struggling countries, not because of its message of dominance. And winning. But it's a message of hope. And love. Love of you, our creator God, for us. And all of us. Your children. For the message that you came down to earth. You put skin in the game. Not for your own advantage. But for the love that you have for the people that you created. Through Christ. Help us to walk out, not just for the next three weeks, help us not to just close out of our browser window and for the next three weeks we're going to be you know, nicer to everybody around us and, and you know, a little bit kinder and a little more servant hearted just to get through the election, maybe depending on how it goes, you know, a week after or two weeks after, we'll see how it goes, you know, then, we'll, then we'll be kind. No, that we would move forward, we would move from today either wrestling with or trusting more faith in you. And the love that you showed for us. And the love that has transformed our world. Transformed the lives of billions of people. Two billion right now and billions throughout history. Let that love shine before others more than anything else. Because that's love that will change. That's light that will change. In your name we pray, amen. Everybody breathing? You okay? Anybody going to leave the church now? Okay, just, you don't have to raise your hand, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, so in a few, or in this week actually, this week we are launching small groups here, here at Infuse. And, and maybe you've heard a lot about small groups. Um, but there's such a critical part um, to our community here, to living out um, uh, uh, a lifestyle that is loving, that is kind. Um, And so I would really encourage you, if you haven't considered signing up for one of those, to do so. Um, What we're going to do now for the next uh, about two and a half minutes is, um, those of you uh, online, you're going to be able to watch it. Um, But for those of you in person, we're going to be just able to hear it. But I want you to hear from Devin and Elise, who just got done with a year in their small group and are joining another small group um, starting this month. Hear their experience and what they have to say about small groups. So take a listen to this.
1: We are Devin and Elise Van Holstein, and we live in Tiffin. We've got. We are Devin and Elise Van Holstein, and we live in Tiffin.
2: We've got two little boys, Gabriel and Tristan, and we've got two little girls on the way. If you can maybe hear them off in the background. Elise teaches middle school band at Clear Creek Amana at the middle school and then I raised money for Hancher at the University of Iowa and we were in the married couples group this last year
1: we decided to join group because um, in our previous community in Cedar Rapids in our, in our church we had been part of a couple of different groups and we really valued the community and the friendships that we built there um, and the growth that we had towards Christ And so when we had the opportunity to join groups with Infuse, we were really excited to build that community here in Tiffin and through Infuse.
2: The thing we enjoyed most about Group this last year was spending time in community with people, Uh, whether that was helping somebody move or having somebody come over to watch our boys. It felt like those tangible acts of love and being in a community, it feels like how life is supposed to be lived.
1: Sometimes I get caught up in life with all of the schedule things, my to-do list, and with group there were always people there to remind me that that relationship with Christ and also my relationship with my community is so important and they helped hold me accountable for that and were just a constant reminder
2: yeah and similar to that for me being part of group i got to pull back from the day to day things and like not seeing progress like you you get in that hamster wheel right And you don't feel like things are progressing but you hear stories from other people and you get to share stories and you realize that things really are moving forward and you know um, that there is hope and that other people have solutions and they've been through these things before so it's a uh, brought me a lot of hope and comfort so if, if you're on the fence about group or if somebody's on the fence about group the best thing that I can say is that a it might not be right for you, and you can try it out, and we had a couple that decided to leave our group after a month or so. Yeah. But more importantly, you, build, you get to build a community, and you get to spend time with people intentionally, which it doesn't come in a lot of other places in life. You get to spend time learning about each other and growing together, and that, that is very valuable.
1: I was in the, the guilty camp of even when we started talking about joining a group at Infuse of saying, you know, we don't have enough time for this. Our life is busy. We don't spend enough time together as a family. Why would we commit to this? Um, and the reality is this fall, we're going to have four children, four and under when our twins arrive. But yet we really do believe this is such a priority because we've seen the life-changing um, events that take place through this. We have a community that supports us. And so when it came to signing up for groups, it wasn't even a discussion of would we do this. It was what will this look like for our family.
0: So all we ask when it comes to group is that you consider signing up, you show up, and you try it. That's it. Sign up, show up, and just try it. If it doesn't work out, we understand it's not always going to be a perfect fit for everybody. It takes time just like any life or relationship thing does. But really encourage you to consider signing up, showing up, and trying it. You can sign up on the little cards that got passed out maybe as you came in. You can sign up on our website, infuse.church slash groups. You can sign up through the app under the connect button. Um,